This episode of the Inside Transportation Podcast is sponsored by Ford Motor Company, built on the belief that freedom of movement drives human progress, from connectivity to autonomy, AI to machine learning. Ford has one simple goal, to improve mobility for its customers. To learn more about Ford's work in mobility, autonomous vehicles, and their global efforts to improve mobility for its customers, visit corporate.ford.com. That's corporate.ford.com. The Inside Transportation Podcast is also sponsored by the law firm of Fenwick & West. Fenwick & West is one of the world's first and leading law firms dedicated to technology and transportation. Learn more about how Fenwick can help companies tackle the complex legal and business issues of autonomous transportation at Fenwick.com. That's F-E-N-W-I-C-K.com. Now, on to the show! Welcome to the Inside Transportation Podcast, a production of Inside.com. This is our weekly podcast where we discuss transportation trends that you need to know about to stay ahead of the curve. My name is Johan Marino, and I'm the writer of the Inside Transportation and Insider Electric Vehicles newsletters. And as always, I am joined here by podcaster, angel investor, the proud owner of the 16th pair of Tesla short shorts yes. ever made. And Inside.com CEO, Jason Calcanis. How's it going? It's going really well. And these shorts are very sexy and elegant right now. They're perfect when you're... Oh, man. They're perfect yes, by the perfect pool. For a hot summer day. Perfect. <laughs> I'm wearing them by the pool right now. And they are S3X-y. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so you saw that they sold out. They sold out completely. I actually didn't see they sold out already? Yes. Completely <laughs> sold out. So this is... Were they really $69? Yeah, $69.420, which I, I, I don't know how that works. Do they round up to $70? Do, do you no, 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 no. They're using, you can only buy it with Bitcoin and Ethereum during Elon's Ethereum Bitcoin giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But That'd wait a second. What's the margin on the shorts? These can't cost well, more than $10 to make and ship. Did you see somebody tweeted, uh, Tesla's apparel division will become more valuable than Ford. And honestly, at this point, I'm not, no. uh, I wouldn't be surprised. No. Ford, <laughs> Ford makes a lot of good trucks. Uh, but here's the thing. And they're, they're a po- they, sponsor of this podcast. And they're a sponsor of the podcast. I have a feeling they're going to do just fine. $69 for the shorts. They can't cost more than $10. To, do we know how many sold? 1000 10000 we don't know the exact number, but oh my Lord. I mean, just for reference for our listeners, these are some red shorts. And by the way, this is being recorded on July 6th. So if mm-hmm. you're listening to this on Thursday, mm-hmm. something may have changed between now and then. They might have yes. more inventory. Absolutely. Um, but they're these red shorts, really, really short shorts. Um, and they have the Tesla logo and like a gold plating. And on the back, they have uh, S3, X, and Y. Um, for, for each of the models. Four. And I'm about Each of the to models nothing to do with the word sexy. Not it's, at it's all. Just but I, you know, speaking of which, my wife's coming, and so I will have a sexy driveway. I'll yeah, have a sexy driveway soon. But it's interesting because if they did make fifty dollars per, and they sell ten thousand of these, they would make five million dollars in pure profit. Dang. I mean, it really. I Dang. actually think Elon can with merch is a thing. You know, merch is a really 
mm-hmm. big thing. I mean, that's how Barstool makes all their money. Exactly. And so if you look yeah. at Barstool, El Presidente, when Elon's doing is they're having fun. And you know what? It's fun to have fun. It needs to be more fun in the world. I like that people are having fun. Nobody's getting hurt by this except for the Schwartz who lost their entire life savings. But anyway, nobody's... <laughs> Six, I, told, I think they've lost about like... Uh, billions. What, 69 mil, billion or something like I think it was like 69 that? billion. No, 15, 15.9 no, no, billion. No, 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 no. It was 420 billion. <laughs> oh, and it, no, I'm making that up. 420. Here's the thing. 620, 420, <laughs> 69, 420 billion. Yes. Here's, here's the thing. I was on CNBC. Somebody's going to pull this clip. When they were shorting the stock at $200, and I said, listen, I've known Elon for 20 years. If there was one person I know, there's like maybe five people I know who I would never, ever bet against in anything. And I said to them on the thing, and they're like, but the Model 3 is late. I was like, listen, calm down, CNBC. The guy landed two rockets from space at the same effing time. And when you see that video, it looks like CGI because it's so unbelievable. You've seen the video of the two rockets landing, John? Mm -hmm, Yeah. So I look at that and I'm like, if you can land two rockets from space at the same time, 100 feet apart onto a landing pad and and also do it in the middle of the ocean with waves, I think you can get out of... $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 car after you've already sold a couple hundred thousand. So this idea that people doubt him is so bizarre to me after everything that's been accomplished. And, you know, I've had this conversation with many people involved in the company, which is like, at some point, do these people who are betting against it, who are spreading the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD, are they ever going to say you know what, the guy's got some level of talent or are they going to just say it's a fraud when people, I mean, you're in the transportation issue. You cover this for a living. Mm-hmm. It, mm. are, do I think people are going to back back off? Not, not, um, not that, actually. What I was going to ask you, Johan, was do you think the people who made it car of the year, you know, I don't know, how many times was it car of the year and are those people wrong? I mean, it's, it's really interesting, right? I don't think. Look, I, I'm I'm a Tesla supporter. I think what they're doing is incredible. Um, but I mean, obviously, the company's like it's a solid company now, right? They're delivering all these cars. They're beating their expectations by a lot. I mean, I think people who are shorting the stock right now or who continue to kind of spread all this negativity about Tesla. I think they should find a new hobby because <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's it's going to go down from this point. Do you think anyone is you know? trying to short Amazon stock. I mean, I think people are still trying to short Apple stock too because yeah. they think, you know, if something happens, right, boom, that you make a lot of money. So I think at this point, it's not going to be a very active, like it shouldn't be an active activity where people are just bashing each other on Twitter all day trying to get Tesla stock price to go down because at this point, it's a rocket ship. You can't like knock it. You never right? want to- like yeah. at a point where it can't be knocked down. But no, no, to my point though, those reviews, as somebody who's been in the automotive transportation industry for your career, or most of it, mm-hmm. are, are those reviews legitimate when they say, you know, Model S was car of the year, Model 3 was car of the year, the Roadster was a revolution in the best... Well, it's, it's an awesome car to drive. Okay. <laughs> That's why you have four so of them, So just right? starting with that, if you were going to short a stock, 
Mm-hmm. You're just going to pick, pick any transportation stock you want to short. Would you pick the one that has universal acclaim across all of the car companies as the car of the year, decade, and in the history of the magazine, right? Because one of them made it the car, mm-hmm. the greatest yeah, car in yeah. history. So right. just think, this is what I tell people when you're betting, because you know I bet for a living, not just at poker, but also mm-hmm. at companies. Poker, startups. startups. Yeah. I always tell people, you never bet against a founder who makes a great product that people will not shut up about. It is rule number one. And so betting against Steve Jobs and the really crappy iPhone one, which was a terrible phone that was easy to make fun of, it still was a, the, the most amazing phone ever built. You just and everyone copied it. <laughs> you never place that bet. You never place that bet. And these people who voted against him, you know, it's it's like making one of those insane bets. And so they deserve mm-hmm. to not only lose their money in my mind, but then there's a second level, which is you're betting against somebody who makes a world class product that has universal acclaim, not just from customers. It's not like it's just a fan favorite, and they're sycophants. The actual industry that hated electric cars up until that point. Am I right that they hated electric cars to that point? Oh, yeah. I mean, every automaker um, would say this isn't worth our time because we're not making any money on it, right? And and they said consumers don't want it, right? They said consumers don't want it. Yeah, they say consumers aren't ready for it. But it was primarily because, you know, to build electric vehicles, to make that shift, it's really expensive, right? And up until that point, no auto company or any transportation company, whatever, no one had reached that like 300 mile range right. on the car. Yes. So, the, the, I mean, they would make electric cars if they were total shit. Yeah. You know? So here's the thing. Um, Rule number one, you don't bet against a car. You don't ever bet against a founder who makes a world-class product that people love. Put that aside. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to bet against something, you would probably betting against something that is in the best interest of the human species and the preservation of the planet, how do you sleep at night? Like, I would not want to go to bed at night as a human betting against, I don't know, a cure for COVID-19, a vaccine. Would you like to bet against the vaccine for COVID-19? If I told you, if I told you, (laughs) you could make, you know, a thousand times your money betting against it, would you do it? No. So why would you bet against no. solar and electrical and saving the planet? These people who bet against him are stupid, evil, and dipshits. Just across the board, losers. They're just opportunists, right? I, I mean, think it goes. It's saw the, the opportunity it, yeah. to kind of. It's even more than that. To kind of like, yeah. I mean, it, it got it's a so deeper personal, conversation. But how? That. I mean, yeah. think about how personal it got. Like they made it really mm. personal. And so for him to come back with humor, I think, and still making the best car ever. That is the best revenge. And if you're a new day trader to Robinhood, full disclosure, I was an early angel investor. Uh, that's the flex, not a disclosure, mostly. If you are a Robinhood <laughs> trader, it's your a Robinhood trader, and it's your one for you. My best advice: do not bet against Elon Musk or any founder who makes world class products. Period. End of story. What about founders that make products that are copying Tesla? What do you think? Well, here's the thing about copy. <laughs> Nicola. <laughs> Nicola. Here's the thing about derivative <laughs> products. Consumers are so smart that they generally don't fall for it, except in rare exceptions where the original was not high quality. So 
if you made, uh, I'm trying to think of an example here, but a, a perfect example would be. What about Snapchat? You know, Let's talk Snapchat. Snapchat still right? is actually doing really strong right now. They, they, no matter what, Facebook couldn't kill it. But I was going to do social media and say, mm-hmm. if you look at Friendster, they couldn't keep their servers up and mm-hmm. running. And if you look at MySpace, they couldn't keep their servers up and running. So when LinkedIn and Facebook came out, those other services were down so often if you remember, anybody who's over the age of thirty years old remembers this. I remember. You, you couldn't even you couldn't even load days. the pages because <laughs> they were so slow because their servers were going down. And when Zuckerberg came in, it wasn't a better product. It was a copycat, but at least he kept the servers up and running. So there there are like mm-hmm. some rare exceptions, but the shorts are sexy. And if this is the dope or nope, I say dope. Is this our dope or nope for the week? I say I say dope. I say but dope. But not our dope and dope. Um, sadly, I wasn't able to snag a pair before I, they sold out. You know what? I know so somebody who works here. I'm going to try to get us a pair. I'll get us a pair. All right. All right. Get okay. us a box. We'll get us a box. We'll do it as a giveaway. Yes. Uh, yes. In the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, on to the actual oh, show. Oh, that wasn't the show? I, <laughs> that was I just the, we're doing that was the warm up. Tesla. That was the pre-show. No, no. This, that was just the, the pre-show. That was the warm up. Uh but we're going to talk a little bit about Uber acquiring Postmates, yeah. which um, huge news, news, right? That happened over the weekend. Confirmed today. Uh, so after potential, after missing out on potentially acquiring Grubhub, Uber is acquiring Postmates, one of the pioneers of the food delivery space, in a deal worth two point six five billion dollars. Not a bad return considering the company was valued at two point four billion last year. Meaning there's a lot of people who just became very rich in Silicon Valley. Uh, Postmates CEO Bastian uh, Lehman, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it, um, and his team will stick on to manage Postmates as a separate company within Uber. Uh, but while Postmates has done well in some urban markets, including Los Angeles and Miami, it only has about 8% market share of the food delivery space and trails Uber Eats at 22% and DoorDash at 45% per data mm-hmm. from Second Measure. So... My first question to you, Jason, is what impact do you think this is going to have on the food delivery space? And why did Uber I think it has a very little impact overall. You and I have talked a little bit about how when we talk about the market Mm -hmm. size, we're not including Amazon Fresh slash Whole Foods delivery. We're not talking about Instacart. We're not talking about Domino's Pizza. Uh, we're only talking about a handful of yeah. app-based ordering, and we're even leaving out of that other app-based ordering mm-hmm. services like Instacart. Like, uh, So I like to think about calories delivered to homes as the total addressable market. Now, if you look at mm-hmm. that, no player except for Amazon, I think Amazon would have about 40% market share. And we were doing that in inside.com slash business today. I was with the researchers on that team. You know, we hired some researchers and they were making some charts. Uh, yes, it's doing so good. Well, newsletter. you know, this is one of the things, you know, you're a great writer and you understand business, but a lot of journalists don't understand the business side. And so we've, we're, we're the way we're mm. evolving inside right now. And a lot of it's based on our success with this podcast is instead of hiring journalists, we're hiring researchers who know how to do math and do data science and that kind of stuff, because they just did a chart today and it turns out like, in the early chart, I saw Amazon's food delivery business, not prepared foods, but calories like, you know, whole food delivery, et cetera, is probably mm-hmm. 30 or 40% of the market. And they're right. the number one player. And so, yeah, if you include, wow. there you go, a little plug. Insight.com slash business. Uh, so the point here is I don't think there's yeah. any real clear winner yet. And I think Uber Eats and DoorDash are the two horse race. 
Um, it would have been, I think Grubhub would have been a better deal, obviously. Uh, but Grubhub, people don't like that service and Postmates people love. So even though Postmates is, even though Postmates is smaller, they are very loved. And so depending on how they do this integration, it's, they were it's the not OGs, a bad remember? deal. They were the OGs. They were, they yeah. were. I, I, it's a, it's a little bit of a sore spot for me because the, I was, I, tried to put $25,000 into Postmates. I signed the paperwork, sent it to the founder. Um, and then he didn't send the documents back. And I, you know, emailed him two or three times, nothing radio sciences. I think this is the first time I'm telling this story publicly, but I can tell it now. But Bastian then said, uh, Oh, you know what? Uh, I couldn't fit you in the round. This is after we had a deal. And so I would have made at least 30, 40 times my money on that. So it would have been a, it's a million dollar loss for me. Um, so I, I, I was n- not pleased with him because I felt it wasn't cool, but I'm happy for him. Um, and I'm happy for me because the stock went up so much today that even with my Uber holdings now, I, I still wound up in a good place. Um, so anyway, um, putting aside, that was one of like two or three times I've ever been screwed yes. in business. You want us uh, to play some, you know, some angel investing music in here? If you could play yes. a violin for me right now as I get my Model Y delivery... <laughs> Poor J. Cal. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you this, though. Let, putting let that me aside, ask you this. it's it. Do you yeah. think that this was a preventative yeah. strategy, right? Like Uber didn't want DoorDash sure running, sure. you know, around grabbing, you know, Postmates or yes. Just Eat Takeaway, which just acquired. Or more Grubhub. likely, or my, more likely Lyft. Oh, okay. Because if Lyft buys it, then now Lyft looks comparable to Uber, right? They both have mm-hmm. both business lines. Um, but I think what we're the, the big picture here, Johan, is we are about to see an M&A velocity that will be unlike anything that's ever happened in business because you have these companies getting wildly profitable uh, and they have large amounts of capital and very large market cap. So you start looking at the market cap of a company like Tesla, which it went up so high today. Maybe it's two hundred fifty billion. You mm-hmm. look at Apple and Amazon at one point five billion. All of a sudden, things like Uber at fifty five or sixty billion, uh, or Postmates at two billion, look like rounding errors. So I think, and this is going to be a prediction, that, uh, and I have zero inside information that Uber is going to get bought. That's my belief. Is that right now people are going to start looking at this? Yes, because. Uber's footprint is so great. It's it's still growing. It made it through the pandemic with plenty of cash. Mm-hmm. And the stock price isn't at its high. It's, you know, very reasonable at 55 billion. Mm-hmm. And so I could very easily see Amazon buying Uber. I could see Tesla or Whoa. Apple or Google or someone like that also buying it. Because um, it's not an expense, and I'm not saying this because it's good for me personally as an Uber shareholder. I, I just think um, it, it's going to be the, with market caps getting this big and cash reserves at the big companies getting so big, mm-hmm. they're going to start looking for growth. So, how does a company like Amazon move the needle given their footprint? They need big things like this, this acquisition of Postmates, it can move the needle modestly for Uber, mm-hmm. but it would never move the needle for Amazon. 
I mean, Amazon makes more in a day probably than, you know, Postmates <laughs> makes in a, a they probably do, yeah, in a year, right? So, and actually, we'll we'll pull that number up in a moment. But so, I I think they built a great product. They have a great loyal following. They don't have scale. Anything without scale is getting bought in the next twelve months. So let me ask you this: since okay. we're on the topic of yes. acquisitions, and this, you know, we've talked about this before. Apple acquiring Tesla, right? It's and it, Apple's looking for it's, growth. It's, it's not going really to. I don't company. think it's. I don't think it's possible now, um, because it's too late. I think it's too late. I, you know, it's like I, I think if anything, you know, and I know this sounds absolutely crazy. You know, at the trajectory that Tesla is going, I think Tesla becomes a trillion dollar company. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're twenty five percent. They're twenty or so percent there. So, I think that. You know, this we have this thing called escape velocity in the business. Like when you get public, when you get profitable, when you get you know ten billion dollars in cash in your bank account uh, to you know be able to spend on stuff, it's very hard to get taken out because remember you have to offer a price above the current share price. So to offer, you know, and you saw this with Grubhub, right? Like they were offering mm-hmm. five, ten, fifteen dollars above the share price to get people to agree to sell it. <clears throat> you know, that's possible with Uber and Lyft. And DoorDash, but is that possible with Tesla or Google or you know those kind of companies? Probably not. You would have to offer like two grand a, a share. It, it would have and to be. It would then. have to be something like that. I, I think it's. I don't. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't say it's impossible. But Apple has maintained their. We need to build it for it to matter. Uh, positioning. There is a rumor about Sonos getting bought by Apple that I heard. And I don't know if that's public or not. You can Google it while we're talking here. But an insider, I shouldn't say an insider. I don't want to get accused of insider trading. I'm not trading on this information. But somebody inside the industry <laughs> said in a conversation that they thought that that was going to happen and that because Apple had screwed up uh, speakers so badly, right? Like Apple has done good with Apple TV, but they, they're... Apple, mm-hmm. they, I mean, the home pod just didn't, didn't fly off. I mean, it's so expensive and Sonos is so much right. better and Apple doesn't like to discount stuff. So if Apple really wanted to, well, it's discounted now because nobody's buying. Yeah. It. I don't know what it was. It $400 <laughs> when it came out. It was, I think it was like $400 and this past weekend it was on sale at Best Buy for like $199. That's hilarious. The bargain bin, bargain bin price. Ha- you know what I got? <laughs> but also, I, I got mean, the Sonos Move. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you know that one. The Move. It's got a giant mm-hmm. battery in it, and you can move it. You know, you can move it around. And oh yes, yes, I saw it that one. It is unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, really? but people seem to think the speaker in the HomePod is amazing. But I mean, come on, the the Apple prices are so ridiculous now that. Producer Nick and uh, Sir Charles on my team are. We went all PC because we can buy a five thousand dollar PC with a, a, you know, Dell PC with a gorgeous Dell thirty eight inch monitor, for like five grand. That is literally two or three times as powerful as uh, an Apple Tower. You know, whatever that Mac Pro is, it's twice as powerful and it doesn't crash. So, but or three times as powerful for less the, money. Yeah, with the HomePod, and this is totally slaying away from transportation. So we'll get back on track. But Absolutely, we the will. The thing about will. the HomePod <laughs> is that you have to use Siri with it, and oh, if you've ever used She's... Alexa versus Siri, 
like I mean, it's literally like talking to somebody who dropped out of high school talking about politics versus like somebody who is like a PhD in, you know, government that's studies a, that's or something. Said, by the way, just to clarify, in case you guys yeah, just to clarify, Siri you can't is do anything dumb. with Siri, and it never listens. You to know you. what? Siri's Siri's got a beautiful voice, mm-hmm. but not too much going on. Uh, yeah, in terms of functionality. Like, I mean, have you yeah. ever? Yeah, I mean, have you ever? Tr- every time I ask Siri something, she's like, or he's like, or they're they're like, what's their pronoun? They, <laughs> them, they're I'm assuming they, they. I'm gonna go with they. Okay. They always return. Well, oh, here's the web search for that, and I'm like, really, a web search? Just give me the info. <laughs> give me the goddamn answer. Well, kind of getting back Moving on track, on. Back the on one track. thing I will say before we, we head to break, uh, I don't see a future where Postmates will continue to be run as like a separate company within Uber, which I thought this was really interesting because I've only seen Waze do really well under that structure. Oh, you I mean as an independent seen... brand? No. Yeah, they're this, like, we're going to... Did they say they were going to integrate it in? I don't think they're no, going I, to. If, no, they said they were going to continue running it as a separate company. I think it can be and, its own you know, brand, I think. And they probably have some targets they have to hit. So I'm feeling it will exist as its own brand for a little while. Yeah. But eventually there's gonna they're going to need to be merged. Well, right? YouTube wasn't. One YouTube market. Wasn't. Um, and so what they'll probably do is put, they'll have like, the, whatever's available in Postmates will be available in Uber Eats and vice versa. But they'll probably keep the two brands going for a little while and mm-hmm. see what happens. This is super interesting. That's a hard one. It's a well, hard de- that's right. a We're hard decision head. typically, Johan, because what it, it really depends on how strong the leadership is at Postmates and the brand. Because if you look at YouTube, they mm-hmm. didn't make it Google video, you know? Or Beats didn't become Apple Beats. They right. were just like, it's Beats, that's it, you know. So sometimes if the brand is strong, you don't want to mess with it. If it means something to people. So I, I don't true. know the answer. It's gonna be a, that's gonna be a jump ball. Yes, yes. It'll be a, th- a a sign of things to see for Uber and Postmates. But when we come back, we're going to talk about vehicle subscription services, whether they're the future of automotive here on the Inside Transportation Podcast. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Just want to let you know that this episode of Inside Transportation is sponsored by our friends at the Ford Motor Company, built on the belief that freedom of movement drives human progress from connectivity to autonomy. Ford has one simple goal and that's to improve the mobility of its customers. Ford has been using technology to shape the future of transportation for over 100 years and is dedicated to solving the world's most pressing mobility issues. What you might not know is that Ford has a series of divisions that make these visions a reality. Ford X is Ford's venture incubator that unites entrepreneurs, designers, and engineers to shape the future of transportation. Ford's City Innovations team brings innovative ideas to life through community workshops, crowdsourcing initiatives, and citywide mobility challenges. And Spin, a property of Ford, brings e-scooter sharing to cities and college campuses. So here's your call to action. To learn more about Ford's work in mobility, autonomous vehicles, and their global efforts to improve mobility for its customers, visit corporate.ford.com. That's corporate.ford.com. Thanks again to Ford for sponsoring independent media like this podcast. And we're back on the Inside Transportation Podcast. Jason Calcanis, Joe Marino, talking about the hottest topics in transportation. 
The next topic here on our docket today, which you can actually see on our new Notion page, uh, and we're going to have that link in our show notes, um, where you can see all our notes from uh, today's uh, podcast and a few video links, because we're going to have a few videos we're going to discuss you know, on the podcast. So they'll be all available there. Uh, but getting on to the next topic here, does anyone want the Netflix for auto? A few years ago, everybody in the automotive industry saw vehicle subscriptions as the next hot trend, uh, where one set price is all bundled together, including insurance, vehicle maintenance, you know, the the lease of the car, and all this stuff. And vehicles would be or users would be able to swap out vehicles at any time. But so far, tests from automakers, including Mercedes-Benz and Cadillac, have already disappeared. Uh, Mercedes-Benz is wrapping up a pilot of its subscription service this summer. Uh, the program was expected to continue until year-end, but demand was just okay, so they just ended it early. Uh, this is while other automakers look to create subscription services, including Tesla. They want to sell full self-driving as a subscription package, uh, and BMW, which is also selling some of the features of their vehicles in a subscription package. So Jason, first of all, would you subscribe to a vehicle over buying it? Do you see any value in being able to swap out your vehicle at any time but pay a premium? And why do you think that these services have not really picked up? Because not just automakers haven't really been seeing any traction with these services, but also there's a startup called FAIR, which was actually backed by SoftBank Vision Fund, and they also haven't been doing as well as they originally expected. So any thoughts on vehicle subscriptions? I, I love them in concept, um, and I would actually consider it. Um, I think mm. the problem is there. there's a lot of friction in these kind of systems because of like damage to the cars, like wear and tear, like, you know, maybe you don't care about it that much. And there were always these auto clubs. I don't know if you remember these for like affluent people to drive sports cars. Um, and I got pitched on them a couple of times where you buy in or you can actually buy in with your car. So if you own like a, you know, whatever, 65, like, Corvette or something, you can like put your hundred thousand dollar Corvette mm -hmm. into the pool and then everybody can drive them and share them. Um, but it's a lot of friction. Um, and I just don't know if there's a love of automotive of like driving different vehicles, but I would love to drive the Corvette for a month. I would love to drive the Defender for a month, but I just think it's not, it's, it's too hard of, um, because of the variable cost of the cars and the wear and tear issue. It's mm -hmm. too hard because if I'm driving the Corvette, which costs sixty thousand, and you decide you want to drive the Model X, which costs one hundred and ten thousand, right? You should be paying so much more than me. Then does everybody mm -hmm. just gravitate to the most expensive one? And then do people take the the Jeep Wrangler or the you know, and then rip it apart? And so they're just kind of impractical. I do like the idea of um, there being a subscription uh, for cars that are like. And, and I guess this was what uh, Zipcar was kind of doing, right? Isn't Zipcar like essentially this? Instead of owning it, you pay a monthly fee, a subscription, and you get a certain number of miles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the one thing about Zipcar, yeah, the one thing about Zipcar is that it was previously sold as like an hourly thing, so you could rent out like a car for four hours if you had to go to the grocery store if you uh, lived on a college campus. Yeah, and, and the thing is that that was very targeted to just specific communities, right? So it was just college campuses and like some offices and some smaller cities, right, where you could access a zip car. But the one thing I will say is that, you know, let's say you're getting a lease on a car, right? You spend $300 on a lease. If somebody told you, hey, Jason, 
instead of getting this lease for $300, not including your expenses, not including your maintenance, not including your insurance, right? What do you prefer? $300 lease or $700 all-in subscription. You can swap out the car whenever you need to. Your insurance is covered, maintenance, all that stuff. And you can end it whenever you want versus the lease. You're locked in for three years, right? It's kind of compelling depending on what the cars are, you know? It's And I think it, the, the distance between $300 and $700 feels to people like double. And I think people don't understand total cost of ownership inherently over time, like maybe because you're getting bled out with your oil changes, your tire changes, all this stuff. You, you don't actually want to put that into a Google sheet and know what your total cost of ownership is. So I think that's that's part of it. Like, I don't even want to know what my total cost of ownership is on these cars, right? And I, and, and also the people selling them, I, they're not incented. The people selling the cars are not incented to make this as affordable as possible. So the way this would actually work really well is if somebody did it and bought used cars and then made them a fleet of used cars that all had 10,000 miles on them and it was done to save people money. Then it could be, I think, interesting. So it just feels like there's too many transportation options and this one's too complicated and it creates cognitive um, load. And this is something we think about a lot in the startup community is the cognitive load associated with decisions. And the decision that we just went through on this podcast is already making our head spin. Whereas the decision to just get the $199, $299 lease or make a one-time purchase or take an Uber or a Lyft that's just an easier decision for people. You need to make it dead simple. And we call it friction in the industry. And when I look at a startup, when we're evaluating it, my investment team will look at what are the other ways people accomplish this? And then how much less painful is this, right? So Robinhood for trading stocks is massively less painful than calling a broker. Because you call a broker, they want to ask you how your kids are, et cetera. Then E-Trade came and they charged you $15. That was still painful. Then Robinhood came and you don't have to talk to anybody and it's free. So remove friction, increase utilization, um, and reduce cognitive load and or cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is when you have two conflicting ideas, right? So the conflicting idea here would be, did I make the right decision or should I have bought or should I be part of the club? And, you know, that's why people went full Uber or full ride sharing because they were like, you know what? I just don't want to deal with the car and this is less friction. Even if it costs 20% more to be full Uber, I don't need a, I don't need to ever deal with insurance. I don't need to deal with tires. I don't need to deal with oil. And I'm like, part of my calculation with getting the Model Y, you know what the hardest decision for me to make was? tires because I want a car that's all wheel drive in the snow in Tahoe. That's why I was kind of sweating the, I was sweating the other four wheel drive cars. And I was, I did the research and I was like, well, this all wheel drive Tesla model Y with snow tires is as good as those cars. And so at least on highway driving, like maybe not on the Outback or something. And so then I had to create, do the research of what do people do with their winter tires? Cause you can't have winter tires on the whole year and it turns out when you drive out of the city, out of San Francisco, you can stop and there are places for a hundred bucks that'll change your tires and store them for you. So twice a year on your way to Tahoe, you drop them off, you drop off your city tires, your all, you know, all weather, not all weather, your regular tires, you drop them off 
with the rims. You don't take them off the rims. Then they put your snow tires on and you leave those on for five months during the snow and boom, you're all set. So anyway, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, if you look at a technology company or, you know, you look at micro mobility and what Ford's doing that we talked about with, you know, Sun Deep and Sunny, like that's what they're trying to do is how do we just make it so easy for you to get this car and buying a Tesla and trading in a Tesla was so easy. They're like, take five pictures of your car and we'll trade it in and put a hundred dollar deposit down and you're done. I mean, it was really to trade in the model three was so easy. And you ever try to trade a car in? It's like, you know, you're getting screwed. Like you're losing, you're losing $5,000. Yeah, yeah. Well, one question for you though, before we go off to our second break vehicle. So Tesla full self-driving suite, it's like $7,000, $8,000 now. I think it went up um, on July 1st, actually. So it's $8,000. Now, Tesla is going to offer this package as a subscription, right? Where it'll cost, the expected cost is about 99 to, I think, 150 a month for full self-driving. In that case, right, do you think that there's probably going to be a subset of consumers that are going to have that mentality when they're buying that Model 3 or Model Y where, hey, I don't want to drop $8,000 all at once. I'm just going to do $99 payments. Probably end up paying more in the long run, right? Because with most subscriptions, you don't really think about it. Um, we all pay like you know $200 a year for Netflix. We never think about it that way, though. <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I think it's possible. You know, I there was something going on that was funky too, where if you sold the car, the self-driving yeah. didn't go to the next person, but didn't go to your car. Did they I fix they, that? Did they fix so that on all cars no or longer just that issue. one specific vehicle that was sold? I'll have to look into that. I it, there was something with that one. There was something funky with that one specific vehicle, but I brought it up with with the, or my my assistant brought that up with them, and they were like, nope. When you take it back, you do not transfer the self-driving. You buy self-driving again, but the next person who buys your car oh, gets the okay. self-driving. Because I was like, this is just so we It's just so weird that you would buy the software for the car and then you couldn't take it with you or it didn't mm -hmm. go to the next person that I found that unbelievable. So um, the next person does not have to pay for self-driving all over again. They are yes. buying a self-driving well. Tesla. But it is, it, 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 you know, it's, what's interesting about it is that it's not fully self-driving yet. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it is, but I can't live without it. So it's only going to get better from here. And as I've told people on this podcast many times or on Twitter, like for the highway, can't beat it for the streets. It's not ready yet, but if they got the highway done, the streets are a harder problem, but yes. they'll get there eventually. And we'll be back here on the inside transportation podcast. We're going to talk about Chinese made vehicles hitting American streets. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody, let me take a moment to thank Fenwick and West. They're one of the world's first and leading law firms dedicated to technology and life sciences. They operate in the fast lane of innovation where ideas often outpace changes in the law. That's where you find Fenwick's autonomous transportation and shared mobility practice. Steering startups, technology giants, and major automotive companies through rapidly evolving legal, business, and regulatory challenges, which we talk about here on Inside Transportation all the time. A Silicon Valley original, Fenwick is a national law firm with offices in Mountain View, San Francisco, Seattle, New York, Santa Monica, and even Shanghai. So here's your call to action. Learn more about how Fenwick can help companies tackle the complex legal and business issues of autonomous transportation at Fenwick.com. That's F-E-N-W-I-C-K 
Fenwick.com. Thanks again to Fenwick for providing great legal services to me. I use them personally uh, for, and for our investments and uh, for supporting independent media like Inside Transportation. Let's get back to this amazing episode. And we're back on the Inside Transportation podcast. Johan Reno, Jason Calcanis talking about all things transportation here. Uh, next on our docket, uh, Chinese automakers are trying to break through the Great Wall of America. Last month, and this is some background here, last month, Renault Chairman John Dominique Sennard expressed concern about increased competition from Chinese EV makers in Europe. Now, they are positioned to compete as European countries begin to implement tough new rules against ICE vehicles. For years, Chinese automakers have also attempted to break through and enter the American market because of the profit opportunity, but they've been reluctant to do so because of the challenges of breaking into the U.S., setting up a dealer network, setting up service centers, marketing expenses, etc. Uh, and the challenge also remains sentiment, because I don't know if you remember when Korean cars started entering the U.S. marketplace, um, they experienced some like quality issues when they were first entering, and that stigma of Korean automakers, for example, Kia and Hyundai, remains in the marketplace today. So... Do you think Americans would buy a Chinese-made car in the U.S.? Any thoughts there? Hmm. That's interesting because, you know, the Toyota, obviously, people think is like the best-made car, right? And Honda, they thought were the best-made. And there was one car that I drove, that I was driven in when I was in Korea that I was super impressed by. It was kind of their Mercedes, and I think it was Kia or Hyundai's high-end uh, Genesis. I think it, right? I think it might be Genesis because that's, that's their, their luxury, luxury brand. brand. Yeah, it's a Genesis, yeah. and it mm -hmm. was like um, the Genesis car that I drove in, and I I considered getting one um, in the United States, and I looked at it, but they weren't available at the time. It is this Genesis. I'm looking at it right now. The G90. Um, I don't know what it costs right now. But Beautiful it car. was, if I had a driver, <laughs> I think I would get it because it was so affordable and it looks like the Genesis G90, I'm on the website right now. Um, no, I don't want to take a quick survey. No. Um, it is gorgeous. Is, so is that the one with the giant touchscreen? I think so. But it, I mean, it looks like a Maybach basically. Okay. Um, and so mm -hmm. I thought that was like one of the most gorgeous cars. So I, yes, I think people might, um, might buy something like that. The issue I have um, with the Chinese, with, with our relationship with China, and the reason I don't think that this is going to ever happen, is because I believe that the uh, Chinese government needs to reciprocate. So I think TikTok should be banned in the U.S. Um, and I, I said this on CNBC mm -hmm. a number of times that Zoom should not make any of their software uh, or run any of their calls through. Um, servers in China because it is a uh, it is an issue of national security obviously in those cases and Zoom actually the, the right. founder of Zoom Eric um, uh, reached out to me and I had some conversations with uh, some people over there and they let me know their position and they are now moving to end to end decryption for all paid accounts and I think they're going to eventually move it to unpaid. I told them they have to move it to unpaid for me to be satisfied and they're moving I think the production of the software and they move the server routing outside of China. So we have to be very careful about mm -hmm. and you know I, you, you would think I'm a globalist. I'm not a nationalist, I'm not a globalist. I believe in reciprocation and human rights and that's the key issue here is you know 
we we need to really think about well are Tesla's going to be allowed to be sold there are you know other american car manufacturers there is twitter going to be allowed there is facebook going to be allowed there you know these are complicated issues so we make our iPhones there they have right. a tesla factory there but are the tesla cars from there going to be coming here you get the idea so it's complicated i do think americans will buy any great yeah. product from anywhere in the world the question is will our government mm-hmm. uh stand for let's say they did make the iphone of cars right but they did it at half the price so if they made a tesla competitor and you had shown me one and it was twenty thousand dollars less yes would it be x-ping the x-ping it's like the x7 something why on earth would we ever allow that car here if they're not going to allow our cars there which is this we should literally kick tiktok out of the app store we should kick uh well zoom i think has corrected their problems but we should not allow their software here if they don't allow our software there right it's just phrase and so that's the that's the problem right because we have all these initiatives and we don't know what's going to happen over the next year we don't know who's going to be president next right in the u.s but if let's say there's an all democrat kanye uh, you're speaking about kanye president yes kanye west (laughs) and his uh posse no so so okay let's say we go all democrat right and nancy pelosi and another representative in the house of representatives put together these like climate proposals where they want to bring greenhouse gases down to zero by 2050. Great. Um, And one key sticking point was about electric vehicles. So they wanted automakers to only sell electric vehicles by 2035. Now, here's the problem, right? None of these automakers that are U.S.-based right now are equipped to meet that goal. Only Tesla would be able to meet that goal, right? And a decade and a half seems like a lot of time, but when you have COVID hit, you're going to see a whole industry that's going to struggle for the next few years. So there's going to be no one, like, except maybe GM and and Ford and Tesla, you're not really going to see any of the other automakers really have a really strong position when it comes to EVs because they, they're still building out their, like, you know, capacity. I, I um, totally call bullshit on it. If these companies wanted to, they could do you it. You think so? If, if Elon, 100, mm. if Elon can muster it and get it together... If we can have all these restaurants shift from not being delivery to being delivery, we're seeing in the pandemic right now just how adaptable people are. I I think people are so full of blank and <laughs> well, let, when, let they, when it comes point. to some of these things. Let, 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 I'm going to finish ahead, my yes. point. This might convince you. Right? Okay. So all these companies in China, right? Neo, Xpeng. Yes. There's hundreds of them. Those are just two of the bigger ones, but there's hundreds. I'm not, there's hundreds of EV startups, right? And when U.S. automakers, global automakers, right? Not just U.S., but, you know, the Mercedes-Benz of the world, the BMWs of the world, all these automakers, when they entered China, they recently took away the stipulation, right? They had to Mm -hmm. enter joint ventures with Chinese automakers, Right. Where in order for them to sell a Mercedes-Benz, you had to have a local Chinese company enter into a joint venture with BMW or Mercedes-Benz or whatever, right? right? They have all the IP as a result. Even like as a part of this arrangement was that Chinese automakers got to keep the IP like don't worry they stole it already it. anyway right <laughs> so it anyway. it's like okay you have a situation where you have a mandate saying okay or a potential mandate right where it's like, okay, by 2035, we want everybody to have an EV. Now you have this market, right? That's like, okay, I want a really compelling option. What, what do I have? Okay, I have Tesla. Okay, boom. 
they're probably going to become number one as a result of this hypothetical situation. But then you have Neo, you have you know Xping, all these companies that are actually creating some really sweet looking cars and that are compelling options on the marketplace. I think people bite, you know, people will buy those cars. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I think the American companies, if they were, if right now gasoline was six or $7 a gallon, mm-hmm. if we hadn't found all this natural gas in America and you know, there wasn't this production war of Venezuela, you know, the, the Saudis and, and Russia and gas was six or seven or $8. They would be selling EVs all day long. They just don't have the incentive to work on gas mileage or electric cars. Um, and they have the ability to buy the credits uh, from Tesla and other places. So uh, we're, if their survival was dependent on it, American car companies would get it together faster, obviously. But they want to milk as much as they can out of the ICE engines. And it's understandable, like when you're in business, if you have a bunch of inventory, you got a bunch of factories that do this, you're going to you know, take your time and look at what Tesla has done to all the car companies. They really kicked them in the butt. And now they're all getting their act together because it's become existential for them. If they don't get an electric car out, they may not be here. So um, I, I am very concerned about globalization without human rights being um, part of the discussion. And I think that's a, that's a key thing we have to have happen here. And I think too often business leaders are looking at the bottom line and not about the arc of history. And the arc of history is, you know, when we enable authoritarian countries, they do not change. But when we put our foot down and we demand some changes, they do change, right? So, you know, whether it's East Berlin, uh, you know, um, or Cuba, you know, or China or North Korea, um, there needs to be a bit of a backstop and say, you know what, if you want to do commerce with us, you're going to have to not murder people because they're gay, or you're going to need to not torture people. And I'm not saying America's perfect. It's not. We have the death penalty. We have social justice issues here that are tremendous. We're all very aware of them. Uh, and, and even more so this year. Um, and so we need to get better, but we also need to hold other places that don't allow people to vote uh, at all. We need to have those people move towards democracy. That's yeah, and a personal, I think very that's going to be feeling. led by companies. It's going to be led by tech companies because that's the, the reason why we're so dependent on China, because China is able to do, do their thing. And what I mean by that is they can develop a product in four months something that would take a year to make over here, right? And Yes, and they and they can run over your house and make a mm-hmm. factory if they want to or a high-speed train and they have eminent domain and you have no rights. And, you know, if they say you work 12 hours a day or 14 hours a day or 72 hours a week, you have no rights. And so, th- you know, that's what we really have to think about. And look at the mess Apple got themselves into with suicides at the Apple factory because they were pushing people too hard to make iPhones too fast. And then Apple, you know, quite literally um, had to deal with mass suicides at those factories. Uh, and it wasn't like a one-off occurrence. You know, there's going to be a certain number of suicides per thousand people, 100,000 people, et cetera. And it's tragic and it's horrible and it's, it's part of human existence. 
But when they when they start happening at a factory on a weekly or you know multiple times a week, you got to ask yourself what's going on at that factory. And and so that's an example of engagement, maybe bending history in the right way, which is there was so much pressure on Apple that the Apple employees wanted to see it resolved. They don't want to go to work and see this, just like Facebook employees now are now breaking ranks and disgusted with what's happening with uh, you know Facebook allowing people to buy racist ads, you know, with yeah, rubles. We'll see how that goes. Too, well, and you know, right? look, Zuckerberg was like thumbing their nose at everybody until they're yeah. like, we're taking July That's off. Crazy. And then yeah. even then he said on an internal call, they'll be back. You know, That's the question. Yes. It's pretty, pretty crazy. So anyway, this geopolitics stuff is crazy. I, I mean, I, I know the other thing is, are these cars going to be safe? Um, and will the manufacturing quality be there? Because they have a different version you know, different societies value life differently and they value different lives differently. And, you know, uh, here in the United States, we uh, happen to value life in a, in a very, you know, uh, deep way. And the price we put on a life might be very different than a developing world, right? Um, and an emerging, I think we're supposed to say emerging market. I, I'm trying to do the politically correct thing. I think it's emerging so the developed world versus the emerging world, I think is the way to say it. You don't say first, second, third world anymore. You say emerging and developed world. Uh, although developed might be. Yeah. Hmm. What if Tesla starts selling made in China, Model 3s, Model Ys? Yeah, in the U.S.? Whatever. Um, in the, well, the U.S. or it Europe? It makes no sense you know, because other, the cost of shipping I, them will kill the margin. I mean, I think that's why they have to be built locally. Like it's expensive to ship these things, right? So, you know, uh, and then also this idea that manufacturing in America is is too difficult. Like Elon proves it wrong every day. You know, like he's building. I don't, ha, have they officially picked the Cybertruck location? I know they were talking about two or three locations. I think they were talking about Austin, and and you know they've already drafted up. Uh, yes, yeah, somebody, like, but somebody uh, else, somebody else was moving them this like past that. week. I saw Tulsa, Tulsa, yeah, Tulsa, Oklahoma. But see, my theory there is they want to be in Austin because they know that's where the talent will go, and you try to attract talent. To yeah, no, we talked about that. Also, where's tough, the but, where is the yeah. SpaceX facility, Texas, right? So you know, if Elon's still running both yeah. companies, it, it would make sense for them to be closer together. It'll just be a hop and a skip away. Well, I mean, uh, but yeah. okay, wrapping things up, we have we a go. game. We have a game, a new one. So wait, for new game wrap up game. Yes, it's called Who is the Worst? Um, okay. So this is this is fun, purely fun, guys. This is purely has fun. no journalistic, no journalistic integrity here. <laughs> um, but uh, for today's wrap up game, we're gonna watch two viral videos involving two different drivers, and we're gonna decide which one of the two videos is the worst. Okay. Um, we're gonna have these in our Notion page, which the link is going to be in the show notes, so you can actually watch these along with us. Uh, they're embedded in the page; you can just hit play. Um, we're gonna watch them here on the podcast. Oh they're my god! I'm clips. watching the Range Rover almost hit. Yeah. Oh. So the first video. Oh. Is. <laughs> Did you hear that? Hey, dumbass! You're on. You're on camera. You're on <laughs> yeah. dash cam. I love it. Yes. Yes. So video one is a vehicle being cut off by a Range Rover in Charlotte, North Carolina. An unsuspecting driver was cut off by a Range Rover. But make sure to pay attention to some of the details in the video. I don't know if you've noticed, Jason, but the license plate on that Range Rover no. 
is praise be to. <laughs> praise be to my so it's bad like a driving. Very religious, <laughs> a very religious person cutting someone off in their Range Rover, but it literally looks like, like it's crazy. I've never been cut off like that. I hope I never get cut off like that. It's crazy. This guy was, whoever's um, driving that car was on their phone or something super distracted because yeah. it's, it's the longest uh, cutoff in history. It is a slow motion cutoff in real time. I mean, it takes place over, it's a 10 second process of cutting this poor guy off. Yeah, it's it, it's it's really. I don't know how you beat this just one. Watching it, it makes me makes me angry. But wait, there's more video too. It's all happened to us. We can never figure out which side of the vehicle the gas tank's on. But one woman was caught on film trying to figure out where the gas tank was for more than four minutes. Mind you, the J, the, the the video I'm having I'm putting down in the show notes. Oh my god, is only a two minute clip. But this woman is driving like a gray Dodge minivan, looks like a Grand Caravan, and oh she can't Lord. figure out what side her gas tank's on. She keeps trying, she keeps trying, she keeps driving around, and she just doesn't figure it out. Okay. By the way, can I wait? Can uh, I do a public service announcement? Yes. Okay. At the age of, I don't know, eighteen years old, nineteen years old, I was in a rental car. And I, at some point, looked down at the gas tank indicator. And there was a picture of a gas station fuel pump. And there was an arrow, a tiny carrot, on either the left or the right-hand side. This is known as the gas tank icon indicator. Have you seen this before, Johan? Yeah, that's just what I was going to tell you. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I, I, I was going to say, you guys, just look at the odometer next to the gas tank thing. There's usually an arrow. I mean, either points left usually, right. I think it's 100%. <laughs> I don't think you can build a car without one. Yeah. I, I actually, that's a good point. This is a put on this video. <laughs> this has to be a put on this video. This is this one of these viral videos where somebody ma- makes it to get views like, is this on a channel with like a million I mean, Barstool this, this channel, Sports? This was on Barstool. Viral. So this was like a Barstool. I mm. mean, I saw, I saw it originally on like Twitter or something like that. But somebody shot this. Okay. They wanted to get some views and stuff like that. They were just filming huh. the woman struggling with the All right. So wait a second. Tank. Do you think it's real? Oh, I think it's real. Yeah. Okay. You think it's real? I think it's okay, real. Okay. So if I you mean, do think it's happened, real. Like, look, before I learned about the carrot, Jason, I'm going to fess up. That was me. That was you? <laughs> Have, wait, yeah. you're saying you pulled up to a gas station and then had to make like a quick K turn and, and turn the car around? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I guess mm-hmm. I've done that, that too. That was me. I've that done that me. too, but then I looked that down. That was me. Okay. But, yeah. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote first here. You're going to vote gonna first. I'm going to say number one. I don't, I, look, I don't like hypocrites. I think if you're, you know, you're, you're a very religious person, you have good morals, right? You have the license plate that says praise to be. And you're cutting someone off like that? Isn't there a commandment or something about that? Thou shalt not cut, cut off. People off. Thou shalt not cut off. Which is so that's I'm the ninth commandment. Number one is the worst. But what about the sixth commandment? Thou shalt use your turn signal. Nobody follows that either. And by the way, oh, for okay. reference here, maybe he does use. Now turn. I'm looking at this <laughs> again. Use- at least they use their oh. turn signal. The- they did. You know what? It's sunny. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say, but he did use. They, he or she did use their turn. If signal. it was a BMW, hear- that wouldn't have been the case. Just saying that. Okay, I'm I'm going to pass my judgment right now cuz you're asking me the name of the game 
is who's the worst. Correct? Mm. And so we have to make that's the word we can workshop it, but yeah. I, I like who's the worst. Um and a person who is annoying at the gas station and does this harms nobody and humors many people. A person who takes 10 full seconds to cut you off and then does not relent, which is the key piece of evidence that we must discuss in this video, is that with a horn blaring, the person continues to cut the person off, making no attempt to go back into their own goddamn lane. Now, that is the worst. From what I see. I am with you. Video one. Right. Is there but any moment where see, they turn back? No, I don't think so. I'm watching watching it again. No, Literally but what I was going to say. Not a, doesn't give up an inch. This is what I was going to say. May thir- This was shot on May 30th, okay. right? And what makes this worse is that we're in a global pandemic. Is anyone in a rush like that? Is it necessary? Like, yeah, where are you going? Are you You're going? not going to work. I mean, are you in this? Maybe it's an essential worker. Well, Maybe okay, it's a frontline the case, worker, and they're we're going to give them an applause. If that's the case, praise be yes, to praise be but, to, because if they are going to give COVID nineteen mm-hmm. tests, then all right. is forgiven. But that's the only exception. But if they're I'm trying giving. to make it to Wendy's I or believe, something like that, you know, hey. <laughs> yeah, now if they're going for Krispy Kreme, no. Mm, if you're going for animal mm, style, Krispy Kreme. I mean, if the hot lights on, <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> if the hot lights on, you gotta rush. You gotta I rush. Do. You gotta make it over. <laughs> you gotta. Okay, hold on. Before you end the show, this is my question to you. We need to make our own viral video, and then we have to get it onto Barstool Sports. That's our goal for this season. So we need the audience. The audience, and we all have to do this, is we have to come up with a concept that is so ridiculous that it will get on Barstool Sports. So here's my idea. Guy in rented Tesla tries to find gas tank. So we go, we pull up. That's been done before. (laughs) And they try to put the gas in the thing. And we get hidden. We get hidden Look, glasses. It's been done before, and but we ask. But, no, but this ahead. is what hasn't been done. We put the glasses on, and we have the person ask the person, "How do I put gas in here? I can't figure out how to make this work. It won't fit." And we see if the person says, "Hey, dummy, uses a Tesla," and you say, "I rented this car, and I can't figure out how to get gas in it," and the gas tank says it's empty. You got a better one? What's Look, a better one? Look, this, that's been done before, but because. We're in the Tesla universe. It's still going to get a lot of views. It's still going to make it to Barstool because... Oh, I got another one. I okay, another let's one. hear it. All right, we get the... When I say we get like a, the junker of all junkers, right? Mm-hmm. And we set it up so that the back fender will fall off, right? If we press mm-hmm. a button, right? So we put some kind of device on it that makes it really easy to have the back fender fall off. We bring it into a car detailing shop and we ask them to do the $300 detailing. We pull it in, have the thing drop off, and then try to get them to do a $300. And when I say junker, like, there's no reason like all to- rusted, yeah. Rusted, dented, been in an accident, broken windshield, and we ask to have it detailed, and we see what the result is. If the guy there will detail it. That's pretty uh-huh. good. 
that, that, that one's pretty good. Which yeah. one's bad? I mean, it doesn't have the same funny factor. I feel like there needs to be a good funny factor. You know, it, it has to be, to be like factor. shocking mm. or something like that. So if anyone listening to the podcast right now has an idea. For a fake viral video. Tweet. It's fake viral video. Johan at inside.com. Jason at inside.com. At Love Jason, it. if he's on there. If I'm uh, on Twitter. At to Johan. <laughs> right, Just I'll go see you at to Johan. That's a safe bet. That's a safe, safe bet. I'm not, right. yeah. Anyway. And next, and next, All right, guys. next one, we're doing video and we're wearing our short shorts. All right. We're taping the next one. It'll be the first video episode. I have short shorts. I have these giant calf muscles. You do? Like, I just can't wait to show them off. Yeah, they're huge. Are you? They're really? Rock solid cat. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll put a picture in the show. We'll notes. put that in the hot anyway. or not section. Hot or not section. <laughs> dope or not All dope. Right. Dope or no. Dope or no. <laughs> Johan's calves. See you next time.